Hello, I'm with uh, Bill Bowen. Hi, Bill. Hello. So, Bill, how did you get to do what you're doing? Uh, I call my work psychophysical therapy, which is um, really an integration of somatic work and and psychotherapy, and I came to it in a fairly roundabout way. Um, In the 1960s, I was uh, teaching in a prestigious art college in London, and uh, at that point, I was primarily teaching about the creative process. And I was actually hired to teach at a number of different uh, colleges because of my ideas about the creative process. And over the next 14 years, I uh, gradually deepened my work in the creative process to become more and more uh, a therapeutic process. And... It evolved to the place where in the universities I was teaching at, I started getting disclaimers saying, Bill Bowen's class is not group therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but that's really something very beautiful about, in a way, the genesis of therapy coming from a creative process as opposed to pathology. Yeah. My, um, my master's degree is a master's degree in fine arts. Uh-huh. And so um, even though I'm... I was born in the United States. I I lived in London for 10 years, and I was asked to teach because of my studio work at this university. And I actually taught how to make art for only about a year because that wasn't what interested me. What really interested me was that the art students were not really creating from themselves. I coined this phrase, this phrase, uh, creating from creating from another person's space. Mm. That under the stress of their situation, um, they wanted to look like artists. That's what they were training to be. And uh, so they were doing work that looked like what was being done in the magazines, that looked like what the professors were doing. But they weren't doing work that reflected who they were. Yeah. And that, that fascinated me. So I wasn't interested really in teaching skills. I was interested in why are they creating from a place that's not true to them, to their experience. And so I started doing my um, my teaching, and in England at that point, I'm not sure how it is now, but at that point it was a fabulous teaching environment. <clears throat> I was given 12 students. It's a tutorial system. Wow. I was given 12 students for a year to do with what I chose. So it was very open. And even though I was available to other people in the university to come to me for whatever they wanted, it was these 12 students that I could work with. So I began actually having them explore who they were in relationship to what they were creating and started to look at what their creative blocks were. Well, this is fundamentally what psychotherapy, I think, is, and it's certainly what I still do. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the 1970s, um, I realized that actually I was doing it not in the best environment for me because it was really, I was an oddball. Uh, so that was when I started cross-training uh, in... I decided at that point in the late 1970s that I wanted to do a practice that was partly body-based and partly psychological-based. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I don't know if the phrase body psychotherapy had been coined yet, but certainly I hadn't heard it. So uh, I started an odyssey of um, of studying, which actually still continues now, what... Uh, 30-something years later, um, which was uh, an in-depth study of the body and of uh, psychotherapy. Uh 
So I started off doing a training in massage, and then um, I trained with Ron Kurtz at the Hakomi Institute and eventually became a, training, a trainer there. I've trained in all kinds of movement modalities, in visceral work and cranial work, and uh, just lots of different somatic therapies, manual therapies of all kinds, and then quite a bit in somatic psychotherapy. I trained with Elizabeth Marcher in the biodynamic system for seven years, and just a wide range of things, putting it all together in one simultaneous package. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the early 80s, I think about 84 uh, or 85, Pat Ogden and I formed something. It was then called initially it was called Hakomi Bodywork. It was a somaticized version of Hakomi, which is a body-oriented psychotherapy. But um, we started focusing more and more on how is this process happening in the body. So we called the work Hakomi Integrative Somatics. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really about how we continually apply the body to the psychological process. Yeah. And then um, in, the, uh, in the later 90s, uh, so Pat and I did this for many years, and in the late 90s, um, I separated and formed my own work, which I call psychophysical therapy, which really reflects the, the idea that the body and the mind are never separate, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that the, the psychotherapeutic process should, in my opinion, always engage the body on some level. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not a whole process. And I think this is really common in... Um, in all the body psychotherapies, that somehow they're working together, that they're mutually influential and mutually integrative. Yes. So I came to it from really from the creative process instead of from really a pathological process. And still, my work is not uh, psychopathology oriented. I don't look at things in terms of the psychopathology. I look in terms of what we need to enhance our creative possibilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, um, what we need to enhance our creative possibilities, what we need to be more of who we can be, um, how does it work, for instance, in terms of um, what happens in a session? You know, understanding that no two sessions are alike, but... Right. Uh, Well, so I think the first thing to say about that is that this is a resource-based model of psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. The psychophysical therapy really places resources at the center of the work. It's not that we don't deal with historical wounding, et cetera, but that's not the primary focus, nor is the uh, the processing of emotions and the assessment of emotions uh, the center of the process. The center of the process is <clears throat> what needs to be enhanced or what needs to be introduced that, if it was, would allow the, the client to move towards their therapeutic goals. Mm-hmm. And so once that realization is there, then the work shifts to actually building that particular resource. So the way any, the way any session is going to look, uh, especially a whole body of work, is my first task is to find out really what are the client's goals for the process itself. That my job as a therapist, in my opinion, <clears throat> is to understand what the client is looking for and to support them in getting there. Mm-hmm. So certainly at the beginning of a therapeutic piece of work with a client, I need to do a lot to find out who they are, why they've come to see me, what is it that they're longing to 
to manifest in their life. Yep. <clears throat> and then based on that, we begin to form uh, an agreement, and that agreement becomes the thread that all the sessions are hung on. But at the beginning of every session, I refine how does what you bring to this session, whatever you're presenting with, how does that tie in to your larger goal? Because in some way it will, it's the same person. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so then based on that, we start a process which is going to look like any other um, mindful-based therapeutic process. But I'm continually looking for where's the interface between what they're reporting, what they're saying they want, and what's happening in the moment. What is the interface between that, <clears throat> their body, and their, their mental psychological presenting issues? Yeah, yeah. So I'm having to draw out information. And a lot of that is going to be done non-verbally with tracking. Certainly I have a dialogue going on with them, which may look like a common psychotherapeutic dialogue. But what's really happening is I'm tracking minutely what their posture is, what their gestures are, what their energy is like, what their muscle tension patterns are like, uh, <clears throat> and to the degree I can, what's happening within their body cavities as far as their viscera go. I'm tracking on multiple levels to begin to understand how does this person manifest in their physicality what they're presenting psychologically or emotionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of this detailed tracking. And in fact, a lot of what I do in the trainings that I offer is train psychotherapists in the ability to track carefully what goes on in the body. So I want to just, uh, in a way, summarize in a very broad way what I'm hearing is part of it is um, having a sense of what the larger goal is and constantly putting what happens session by session within the context of that larger goal. Yes, and if, if necessary, refining that goal because sometimes a client's not particularly clear about their goal, so sometimes mm-hmm. that, that goal has to be refined over a period of time. And uh, so that helps refine it. And um, the other part is that uh, moment by moment, uh, tracking what's happening physically, mm-hmm. body, uh, at many different levels, and that's the interface between the psychological and uh, what's happening in the somatic level. Yes. I mean, I think it's an agreed-upon concept in body psychotherapy that mind and body are always interactive and mutually influential. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's a pretty much a given, I believe. I know, yeah. I'm not yes. a body psychotherapist that doesn't hold that one. <laughs> so, but so, so, so in what way, for instance, for instance, when you're talking about the tracking, my sense of it is your work is certainly not limited to observing and tracking, but is also a more active participation of um, the client uh, in body-wise in the process. Yes, I'm. I'm. Well, the first thing I'm studying with the client is how much somatic awareness do they actually have. <clears throat> and then, if they don't have very much somatic awareness. This, and this is just as true if I'm working with a developmental issue or a traumatic issue or whatever. My job is to begin to build somatic awareness because this is a transformational process that requires a, a certain kind of mindfulness or an awareness. So I'm tracking whether this person has awareness and if not, uh, deepening that awareness. Now, some people might have pretty good somatic awareness, but when it comes, when we get close to core issues, often people lose that awareness. So that's another sign that we're actually getting closer to the, the core of the issues. Mm-hmm. So I'm continually tracking. How are they aware? 
and listening to what they're aware of and then enhancing that or steering that into a deeper and deeper process. The, whatever they're reporting out of their awareness is usually some kind of doorway, some kind of access route into the core issues. Mm-hmm. So much like almost all um, body psychotherapy processes, I'm actually looking for how do we access core issue. But I'm saying to myself, how do I access, access this with the body fully present, fully aware, and fully engaged in the process? That I'm looking actually to actively engage the body in the process throughout all the different uh, stages of the therapeutic process. But so, uh, as what you're describing at this point is, um, it's you're doing it at the level of tracking. Um, I'm doing it at the level of tracking, and I'm bringing their awareness to what they track, and, and their awareness to yeah. To what they track in their body. Mm-hmm. That not only gives me information, it then begins a dialogue between the two of us. So we have a psychological dialogue, but also we're having a somatic dialogue between the two right. of us. So, so already the, the, the dialogue, there's this two tracks in parallel of the psychological and the somatic. Yes, that ultimately what I'm looking for is my interventions are simultaneously both, uh, both physical, somatic, and psychological. Mm-hmm. So, that, in other words, when we get to the core material, I want to have the body fully engaged in the process as well as the mind fully aware and engaged in the process of discovery. So, you know, as you talk about the dialogue and the interventions, um, what kind of language do you use to make, uh, to draw people's attention to, uh, to somatic awareness? Well, in that in part depends on the person and the kind of language they use. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot about uh, notice this, or were you aware that as you were saying that about um, your job or your boss or whatever the issue is, did you notice that your posture came more into flexion? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's go back to that particular place where you're having that particular issue. Be aware of the emotion that goes with that, but also as you're reporting that or you're feeling that emotion, start to notice what your posture does or start to notice that gesture. Mm-hmm. Often, often a person will be unconsciously speaking with their hands or their whole body. And so I'll bring their awareness to that and have them consciously take that on. While we're then also studying the emotions that go with it or the beliefs that go with it. So then simultaneously, I have the body component and the psychological component. Mm-hmm. And the idea, the, the phrase that I use is this, <clears throat> is the body, the body reflects the mind's story. And simultaneously, the mind is getting input from the world through the senses. So there's this continual interaction between mind and body. Yeah. Yeah, the mind is getting input from the world through the senses. So that yes, at the same time, the 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 body is giving the form to that mind. What what body does, what physicality does, is gives form. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, whatever my essence is, my soul, my spirit, whatever you want to call it, it is given form and functionality in this world through this physical structure called a body. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That means that I can enter into the transformative equation either from the body or from the psychological emotional. So if a person comes in and they're saying, I'm having difficulty in my relationship, 
<clears throat> and I ask them, well, what is it that you want to transform in the relationship? And they say something about vulnerability or openness or intimacy or whatever it is. I can enter into that through what's going on in their body, and that will create a transformation. Or I can enter into it psychologically and emotionally, and that begins to encourage a transformation. I cannot affect the body without affecting the mind. It mm-hmm. cannot affect the mind without affecting the body. So my work is about actively tracking all of that together and making my interventions uh, that are informative on both those levels simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. So maybe could you discuss an example of um, um, what happens, for instance, about uh, somebody working on relationship issue or some other issue and uh, some of what happens during the work with you. Okay, so let's say <clears throat> there's an issue between a person and their partner. <clears throat> and that person has um, both some insecurities or fear on one hand and some um, dissatisfaction about the level of connection on the other hand. So, you know, typical kind of contradictory thing that happens in, in a growth, a growthful kind of relationship where there's a challenge and there's a dissatisfaction at the same time. <clears throat> so as the person's reporting that, I will be inquiring and, and tracking both. So I'll be asking them, so t- tell me more about this particular, uh, story. They're revealing a story. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'll be tracking their body. And I'll be asking them, so as you're telling me this story and you're having this feeling of dissatisfaction or frustration or whatever it is, notice what is actually happening in your body. And I'll be tracking the body. I might be noticing that there's tension pulling in to the thorax from the sides. I also might be sensing energetically that there's a constriction around their their heart muscle or that space in the middle, middle of their chest called the mediastinum. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, if they report that, then we can start to work with the interface between that emotion or those thoughts and feelings and that sensation. If they don't report it, I can start to direct them to that while I'm referencing what they reported. Mm-hmm. And it does the same thing. It brings them, it brings body and mind together in one exploration. Yeah. The idea is this, and this came from my Rolfing experience, <clears throat> that Function influences form, and form influences function. That both influence each other. The form of per- the body takes influences the function, and the function the body <clears throat> uh, interacts with is affecting the form. So now I'm beginning to actually inquire what it is that wants to transform through this particular form. Mm-hmm. And that will give me a sense, the answers to that will give me a sense of what this person needs in order to move towards their transformative goals. So let's say this person says, well, I notice when I talk about my partner that my breath comes way up high into my chest and I feel this tightness in the middle of my my thorax behind my sternum. Well, that's pretty much the space of, of the heart. And this is pretty much a common kind of anxiety when it comes to intimacy and sharing if there's fear in the relationship. So I will simply help draw that out, while those emotions out, while they're aware of those sensations. And that becomes a doorway into the deeper core material that's underneath it. As it deepens into it, we begin to start finding out what the beliefs are. 
what the attitudes are. So I just want to slow down a little bit. So uh, the person then, um, you know, you have um, um, on parallel track talked about the issue, the psychological issue and the uh, uh, the physical manifestation of it. Uh, and say you're coming to that place of tightness in the chest around the area of the heart. And as you explore what happens with that sensation, bringing more of the awareness of the client to it, is a gateway for um, opening up the issue? Well, that will be opening up the issue. That awareness will start to open up the issue. What I'm looking for is actually more evidence of what is needed for them to fully open up towards that issue. Okay. Towards, towards whatever they want. So let's say, actually let's bring it into relational work since we're talking about a relational issue because I do somatic work with, with, um, you know, with couples as mm-hmm. well. <clears throat> so let's say this is one person reporting what their experience is with their partner. <clears throat> and I notice there's this constriction. Now, uh, I will do a lot of table work when that's appropriate as well. Typically, I don't do it so much with couples. Occasionally, I will. But what I may very well do is realize, okay, this person is having this constriction, which is antithetical to what they say they want, and their partner will be feeling it. So I may actually get some information from their partner about what the partner feels. But I may well then realize, okay, this is a piece of resourcing we can start to do. <clears throat> and a resource is anything... Uh, action, qualities, awarenesses, abilities, etc., that we draw on in time for need. Okay, and somatic resources are those kind of resources that are body-based resources that we draw on in times of need. So this person, if they want or need to open up to the, their partner, and indeed they're actually closing down, they don't have the resources, let's say, in their body to actually do that. So I may very well come over and put my hand on the sternum of that person or maybe on the sides and begin to do a little bit of manual work to help them actually start to open up while at the same time getting into report. What happens when there's this particular fascial stretch? Or what happens if you breathe further forward into your sternum? Mm-hmm. Or what happens if your respiration comes down lower? So I'm giving them the direct experience through these subtle little manual therapies to actually start to open up while having them engage with their partner and report what their experience is. Yeah, now, yeah. So, so, so what we're talking about is in this case, somebody who wants to open up uh, finds that in actuality they are closed, tightening up, and you're giving them the experience of what it's like to open up so that they can actually have that experience. Or so they can find out what the reaction to that would be. For okay. example, they may very well close down, close down tighter and say, you know, this feels too vulnerable or this is too scary or whatever. Or they may open up and have an experience of what it's like to really connect in the way they want. Both are avenues into deeper core experience. Mm-hmm. So, but what I'm trying to give them is a direct experience uh, that they can then report to their partner so they can then start to work with what's in the way or what's limiting them from the kind of opening they want to do. Mm-hmm. Body-based experience, especially touch-based experience or movement-based experience, is direct experience. 
it creates the direct experience of something in particular, and that's what I'm going to help the person deepen into. It's yeah. not interpretive experience. It's tangible, direct experience. Yes. And in that tangible, direct experience offers a real transformational process that goes along with it because then I can say, okay, now you know what it's like to feel more open in your chest while you're addressing your partner. What would happen if you actually took that into your relationship and had that direct experience? Or I might actually send them home with that mm-hmm. and see what they do. If they if they block it and truncate it, then I know that there's some other work that has to be done. If they open to it, then it's an evolving process and we find out what happens the next day. Yes. So you mentioned touch as a way to give people the direct experience, and you mentioned another avenue you use is movement. Yes, basically there's um, there's four avenues that I work with and that I teach. The first is working with somatic awareness, which is the foundation of all the resourcing processes. But the others are education, uh, movement, and hands-on work. So education might be just teaching a person how to breathe, or, or, or giving them information about what happens when your partner is not breathing very much, is really constricted, and you're trying to entrain and connect with them. What do you do inside yourself? So it's building that kind of awareness and then teaching them how to, to breathe more fully. A movement thing might be working with walk, with walking. Mm-hmm. Walking gait is very uh, revealing of a person uh, in their process. Posture is in the changing of posture and the movement from one posture to the next is very revealing. Uh, gestures are all very revealing, etc., etc. And then <clears throat> to actually work directly with the tissue itself, uh, which takes a certain amount of training and skill, but it, when it's appropriate, it is fundamentally very transformative because it gives the person the direct experience of something. So those are the four main modalities that I use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I can see how uh, when you talk about uh, resources, you really have a very um, uh, targeted approach to helping people find a way to get uh, to do what it is that prevents them from doing what they want to do. Yes, as a direct experience as Mm -hmm. well as an interpretive experience. Most psychological experience is interpretive experience, and that's very important. We think about how the world is, and we respond very much out of those thoughts. But um, what I'm wanting to do as much as possible is to bring it into direct experience so they actually have the tangible feeling of that. And this is as true with working with your normal kind of stress issues that come in uh, as it is with working with very severe traumatic uh, issues. It's just with traumatic issues we go much, much slower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's about creating direct experiences that help the person know how to move towards whatever the transformation they want to make. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, um, you know, when you talk about transformation, I think for you there's also a strong sense of that the transformation is something that is integrated into daily life. Absolutely. That's its utility. If it's not translated into into uh, daily life, then it's pretty much entertainment. 
that um, you know that it's something that's of interest, it's something of curiosity, mm-hmm. but the real value of therapy. And I think the only place that real transformation happens is not in the therapist's office. Transformation happens in the daily life of a person. So they can begin to live that daily life in a way that's more optimal to them, that's closer to the way they want to live their life. So um, what do you do in that respect? So again, um, I'm including the body at all stages of the process, so I'm continually giving homework. Homework is a very important part of this work, and homework often is involved with tracking what happens in their body when they're doing these new little things that they gained insights about. Mm-hmm. So let's say the person's realized, oh, I've been operating out of the belief that these situations are dangerous, and so I pull into myself, or I've been operating out of the belief that I can't really get what I want. So let's say we're working with that belief. And I've been working with, I've been noticing, let's say that person has a frozen shoulder, that they don't fully engage their shoulder in the movement of a hand and reaching out, or in the gesture of expressing themselves. Now, biomechanically, we know that the function of the arm is to place the hand. The hand is something that allows us humans to be very human. This allowed our evolution because of the way we can grasp and use tools and all those kind of things. <clears throat> the hand fundamentally doesn't start just at the shoulder joint, but goes through the whole, whole shoulder complex into the center of the thorax. So you might say, metaphorically at least, and I think actually in some ways practically, the hand is connected to the heart. So if a person is cut off there and we're working with those kind of issues, I may very well have them be aware of how they block at the shoulder or how they can open up when they go into their life and they have to assert their needs. Mm. Well, something very powerful happens when you can simply just, let's say, let's say we're working only verbally here and um, you're having to ask your boss for a raise. I need a raise. <clears throat> something very powerful happens when you can relax your shoulder and breathe and get a sense that your inner thorax, your lungs and your heart and your viscera are connected through your shoulder joint, through the brachial arteries and veins, etc., down into your hands, and you can simply just widen a little bit through your shoulders, feel a connection from the thorax out through the arm, through the shoulder and down into the arms when you ask for something. It is the form taking, the physical structure taking the form of an openness. And yeah. so then when you when the person goes to their boss and says, I need a raise, and this is the kind of raise I need, and I've worked with them articulating that, something powerful happens when they can actually feel that in their body, feel just that little bit of openness, which might be imperceptible to their boss. Uh-huh. But to them is the form of openness of asking for need. That's transformative for the person because then in the asking for their need, for the raise in this case, their body will be congruent with their words, and the other person will feel that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they constrict, and the boss feels even the below-level awareness that this person is too timid to ask, that boss may not come forward with the raise. Right, right. So then we build on those experiences again and again. So this is resourcing through direct experience, not just changing a belief, although changing the belief is also an important part of it. But we want the form and the function to work simultaneously together. So this is what I mean mm-hmm. by the active integration of mind and body. Yeah, yeah. So, Bill, as we're coming toward the end of this, is there something you would want to uh, say to uh, conclude? 
Um, <laughs> that's a big question. <laughs> um, I think what I want to say, uh, this is almost surprising to me in a way, um, just as a stimulate, was stimulated by your thought, <clears throat> is that uh, increasingly I'm talking with people that recognize the value of direct body experience and direct touch experience. And yet there's so much out there, um, even in the somatic psychotherapy uh, field, that basically is antithetical to touch and direct experience with the body. Uh-huh. That that so in fact I started teaching this work because psychotherapists were coming to me saying I'm not sure about how to touch but I'd like to know more about it I'm not sure how to work with movement but I'd like to know more about it uh, that it is that direct experience either through movement or through somebody really feeling it in their body as a result of some touch that creates this huge transformational process. And I think it in, it's at the heart of the work that I do to try to create a, a very strong direct experience that's congruent with the changes of beliefs and attitudes and emotion, etc. Mm-hmm. That uh, that's at the heart of what I do. So um, uh, it it is this activity of working with movement and touch that to me does it, and I'm including it throughout the therapeutic process tremendously. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, in a that's way, that's the heart of what's maybe my work in some ways differs differs from other somatic work in the sense of the the uh, amount of somatic intervention. Yeah. So as you're talking, the the sense that comes to me is that uh, it's not you know mindfulness. It's just of the mind, but um, a sense of that direct experience being um, the uh, mindfulness of the whole body and mind. Yes, and and then and then on top of that, it's with this idea that resourcing is at the heart of transformation. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what I'm looking for is not only how this person organizes in a way that limits them, but how they can reorganize in a way and have their body fully online in that in that process. And so, this brings us back to my art students. Yeah, where I, that's where I started doing the physical work. Uh, with the way in which they reach out to their painting or the way in which they would start to interact with their sculpture or whatever they were doing, I wanted them to be in their bodies. I intuitively knew that that was going to be a way in which they could start to work through their fears. So it's for me, it's not a... a, a I don't work with a perceived pathology. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I'm sure we can talk in those terms and I recognize and can talk in those terms, but to me it's continually looking at how can I enhance creativity. So I want to I want to emphasize that several times during the conversation you've mentioned the how, and uh, that's something that I'm struck by. That uh, that's what you know the word resource is about. It's not an abstract concept of resource, but there's a sense of you looking at things and uh, noticing people want to go someplace and don't really quite know how to at a you know body level and and um, you're figuring out the how so what is it that's going to make it possible for them to get there yes but not just for them it's un- it's in conjunction with them in conjunction with them very much so so that's a sense of uh, uh, that that uh, in that uh, collaboration that uh, um, working together to create to figure out the how Yes, this is a very collaborative process. Mm-hmm. Great. 
Well, thanks a lot, Bill. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website relationalimplicit.com.